You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills or tactics, or maybe just adding a few new tools to the tool belt. We cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while hunting deer. We've been talking gear over the last couple of weeks, and last week we touched on tree stands and what kind of stand might be right for you. At the end of that episode, though, I mentioned that my preferred tree stand option is not really a tree stand at all, it's a saddle. Over the last couple of years, saddle hunting has taken the deer hunting industry by storm. What was the tool of choice for a ragtag bunch of DIY tinkerers has become mainstream with a surge of commercially available tree saddle options. If you've put much time into researching good tree stand options, you've probably come across tree saddles at some point, so it's time to ask the question, should you hop on the saddle hunting bandwagon? In this episode, I'm joined by Alex Chop, Kevin Leach, and Jake Metallic, the trio behind Latitude Outdoors. Latitude is making some of the most lightweight and comfortable saddles on the market. We get into a bit of saddle hunting 101, the benefits of hunting from a saddle, and answer some of the most common objections to giving a saddle a try. Now, as we kick things off, I want to thank our title sponsors over at Tacticam. They're making the best point of view cameras on the market for the hunter and angler. Their 5.0 and 5.0 wide cameras are perfect for the guy or gal who wants to be able to share their hunts with family and friends without all the hassle of lugging a big camera around. Tacticam also just released their Reveal X Gen 2 cell camera just in time for watching the deer add inches throughout the summer. Now, right now, you can get a great deal on the Gen 1 Reveal X cameras on their website. You get two cameras for just $199. That's two cell cameras for $199. So head over to their website, www.tacticam.com, and check out everything they have to offer. Now let's get into the conversation with Alex, Kevin, and Jake from Latitude Outdoors. All right, for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast, I'm joined by Alex Chop, Kevin Leach, and Jake Metallic of Latitude Outdoors. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, I appreciate you taking your time to... Uh, sit down and talk about saddle hunting. It's something that I'm passionate about. I set it up in last week's episode where I said, hey, all these tree stands are great. My personal preference, though, is hunting out of a saddle. So uh, really stoked to have you guys on to kind of share more about Latitude Outdoors, saddle hunting in general, and really looking forward to the conversation. But before we get too far down, uh, down the road talking about gear, 
Why don't you guys sort of take turns giving me a quick introduction? Alex, we'll start with you. Uh, kind of tell me about yourself and what you do with Latitude. Uh, yeah, so I'm Alex Chop. Uh, I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan originally. Uh, Jake and I, we actually met back in middle school, so we've been friends for a long time now. And then uh, we went to uh, college. I won't say where for our Wisconsin fans, but um, <laughs> uh, that's where we met uh, Kevin. Uh, and ever since, we've just been uh, fishing and hunting buddies, really. Um, you know, I grew up with, I was fortunate to have a dad who hunted. He was big into it just like I am. And, uh, he introduced me to everything, uh, like going up to the UP, we, we hunted up there and he showed me what he was doing and still hunting up there. I don't know if he shot many deer up there, but he still, uh, exposed me to the sport and I'm very thankful for that. Um, so, uh, for latitude, we, you know, we all wear a lot of hats right now. Um, and uh we all have very different skill sets so we collaborate on a lot of things um i focus on a lot of our customer facing stuff and try to capture the voice of the customer in our products um and, and so that's really my, my focus my focus is on the customer and uh you know making sure that uh when we design a product we're excited to tell people about that product right so that's um really my focus uh within the company right now good deal good deal kevin what about you hey josh so kevin leach um i'm originally from grand rapids as well all three of us are from with the western part of michigan here um grew up hunting and fishing it's kind of been in my blood since day one uh, my dad's been a bow hunter on public land in michigan because we've never owned properties um, for over 50 years. So he goes back to before tree stands even existed. And he used to take me out in the woods, spring scouting and whatnot, um, you know, when I was real little. But I met these guys in college. Um, I was an athlete all through college. That's kind of part of my background. Um, and I mentioned that because, you know, I, I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to hunting. I gravitated more towards fishing when I was younger. It was just a time thing with the athletics. Um, so I really dove into it more after college than anything. Um, and it's, it's been a great way for me personally to kind of scratch that competitive itch that you can no longer do without, without sports, um, or organized sports. Um, but my role on the team is really focused on product delivery, um, and development. So, um, there's a lot of different aspects to that. Jake and I tag team a lot of different things on the engineering side, um, the testing side, but, you know, really trying to orchestrate everything um, end to end to make sure that, you know, the products are coming out on time. They're including the different, you know, features and functions that Alex is bringing to the table from the voice of the customer um, and making sure that we can get them in our customers' hands in a timely manner. So. Awesome. How about you, Jake? Yeah, so like both of them said, uh, we're all from West Michigan, Grand Rapids area. Uh, me personally, uh, <clears throat> my dad is a, a physician, so he he, he was very, uh, when I was real young, he didn't have any time himself personally to, to hunt, but we've always been, I guess, a big fishing, summertime fishing family. I've loved hunting and fishing my whole life, always kind of gravitated towards that um when i was about 13 i think i finally convinced my dad to buy a bow and take me out with him into the woods and that was kind of how we 
as a family got into it and been doing it ever since. And over time, it be really become like an obsessive bow archery hunter for whitetail specifically. Um, and you know, like Kevin mentioned, Al, we're all big fishermen too. So, and in the, the spring, winter, what we might be, you might find us on a, a river somewhere, uh, chasing steelhead instead of, uh, trudging around in the swamp. But <clears throat> yeah, as far as the company goes, you know, I, I, uh, more of on the, the operations product development, uh, I've got a background in manufacturing engineering. So I work closely with all of our suppliers to make sure they're in, in compliance with, with whatever, uh, quality, uh, stipulations are in place, um, meeting delivery timelines. Um, and then like <clears throat> we were offline when Kevin mentioned that, but I also do a lot with the, the uh, safety testing and certification of all the products, making sure that, that, you know, in the end it's, it's going to do what it's supposed to do for the customer and, and keep them safe through the, the whole process. That's awesome. Well, so you guys are kind of the trio behind the brand Latitude Outdoors. Can you give me just a, a quick 30,000 foot view of kind of the birth of Latitude and, and, and really what, what prompted you guys to bring this product to the market? Um, so this all started, I'll give the intro and then I'll let Kev give the details. So uh, this all started with um, Kev, I, I think he FaceTimed us. Uh, from his hotel room up in Midland, Michigan, where he had a sewing machine set up. And I just remember thinking, like, what the hell is this tinkerer? He's an obsessive tinkerer. He's the guy who cuts brand new sticks in half just for the heck of it to see what happens. So I'm like, oh, boy, what does he have going on now? Um, and he held up this uh, some fabric, which was a very early version of what is now the Method Saddle um which is our two panel saddle um so i'll turn it over to kevin kind of give some details on the motivation behind that well i gotta know first kevin are you just in the habit of bringing sewing machines to hotel rooms <laughs> if you've ever been to midland michigan and nothing against midland i love that place but it's a small town and when you're there every week in a hotel for multiple years for work, you run out of things to do. <laughs> so Yeah. So sewing. Yeah. I get yeah, it. Yeah. I so get you it. Just dive right into sewing when you, when you run out. Um, Jeff shows all kinds all of the normal things. So <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, at a high level, Josh. So, um, you know, Alex and I both had experience leading up to that day, um, hunting out of an old Anderson tree sling, which is, you know, a, uh, it's a two-panel saddle um, from, you know, the early 90s time frame. I had actually inherited one from my dad uh, when I started diving into the public land thing after college and was looking for a way to kind of trim weight and get, get more streamlined. And he said, hey, I got this from Meyer, you know, 20 years ago for $35. You can try it. And um, naturally, I started modifying it to my liking. Um, and then we got to a point here recently, uh, well, about five years ago now, where the new saddle started coming out in this resurgence, right? And I, and I tried a few of them, and and I didn't really see um, an advantage over my modified Anderson sling. Um, so I felt like there was an opportunity to take what I had done with that 
and really polish it into a product that other people could enjoy as well. And the big problem that we were trying to solve, or I was trying to solve before I talked to these guys, and, and then they, they were very instrumental in solving it, is that, you know, these one panel saddles are very easy to use, very easy to put on and wear, but I just could not get real comfortable in one up in a tree. Um, they're great when you're on the ground, uh, they're easy to manage, but when you're in the tree, I just couldn't get um, as comfortable as I wanted to be. But my Anderson tree sling, I could get really comfortable. The problem with the tree sling is on the ground, it was a mess. Uh, it just didn't, wasn't easy to use. Uh, so we really wanted to create a product that solved both of those really well. Um, and we just started, I mean, I started sewing together prototypes in that hotel room, showing them to these guys. Um, and then a, just under two years later, we launched the company. So that first generation method saddle um, wasn't something that we just threw together over a couple of months. It was about two years worth of development amongst ourselves and some friends. Um, and um, now here we are today. Yeah, man, I, I love that story because you kind of hit on something that I sensed. Uh, you know, I was saddle hunting before. A lot of the commercial options were available. I think there was one on the market at the time when I started uh, started saddle hunting. And a lot of the earlier products just felt a little incomplete. You know what I mean? It felt like, wow, you can get this, but you're definitely going to have to do a lot of modifications to it. So sounds like that's kind of where uh, the origins of you, of your, your brand and your, your product came from. Um, give me a quick introduction though. Like for the guy who maybe uh, has heard of saddle hunting, but maybe doesn't know what it is. What is a tree saddle? How in the world does this work? And what do I need uh, because I, I think that initial hump of getting over, oh my goodness, that's a lot of ropes, right? Like that, that's kind of daunting at the beginning. So tell me, what do I need? How does all this work? Um, so a saddle system, right, is just a, it's a, it's an alternative to a tree stand, just another tool for you. Um, the advantages are it, it's, it's lighter, quieter, more compact, at least in our opinion. Now the system itself, it seems confusing because there's just endless information online right yep. and that's one of the challenges that we try to help our customers out with right is just wading through all the different information because the reality is a lot of saddle people are like kev obsessive tinkerers they're always trying to change things <laughs> yep, right absolutely um but the reality is a saddle system is very very simple right instead of a tree stand you have a saddle that's basically a rock climbing harness you have climbing sticks, just like you do with a mobile stand. Uh, and then you have a lineman belt, which you should be using with a tree stand as well. I know there's a lot of people that probably don't, but you should. So it's basically all the same up to that point. And then you're attached to the tree with what's called a tether. Uh, and that basically just replaces your tree stand harness. So component wise, it's, it's very similar to a mobile tree stand setup. Um, and, uh, it's simple. It just takes a little bit of time to, to get used to. Yeah. You, you kind of alluded to a couple of things there that I want to unpack with, with this one question. If I had to ask you guys, what is your favorite part personally about hunting from a saddle? Definitely the, the reduction weight for me. Like when we, around the time we started this, I just remember I was working, I think in Illinois at the time and Alex told me he was going back in. He, he got this canoe and he was going back into this spot that both of us had 
wanted to hunt in college, but back then we had no money to buy fancy gear, kayaks, canoes, any of that stuff. So we kind of always dreamed about getting way back to the spot. And, you know, the best way to do it was at that time by boat in order to get tree stands back where we needed to, to get them because we used to, until that, we would hike about two miles to get back to this spot. So that was at the time, way back then, the only way we could think of getting back there. And then around that same time, Kevin started whipping out this Anderson sling and we sort of put two and two together. And that, that completely eliminated for us anyway, like all the logistics of getting heavy tree stand gear essentially back in the swamp. So it was a game changer for us when you could basically hike anywhere as far as you want and not have to worry about carrying 50. We were using like steel stands back then. So like 50, 75 pounds worth of Walmart stands back in the woods with you. Yeah, that's huge. What he's, what he's not telling you is that he likes the weight reduction. Cause so Jake used to be a, a kicker. So he's got these little feet really. <laughs> and so when he, walks, when he walks through a swamp, it's like trying to walk through a swamp with stilts. So any oh, weight he, he can get rid of helps him float a little better. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love hunting, but I've got these tiny feet. I think of that old Burger King commercial. It's like, I like the Whopper, but I've got these tiny hands. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, For, uh, I think, you know, for me, you know, the weight reduction is good. I'm not, uh, I'm not really one of those weight snobs, to be honest. Um, now I've, I've placed more focus on weight reduction recently because we've started to travel a little bit into hill country and, um, that's showed me how out of shape I am. So, uh, you walk up and down a couple Hills out by you guys in Wisconsin, right? We come out there to Western Wisconsin and man, there's some big Hills. So it makes me think about weight a little bit more than I had in the past. Um, but I, I think my, uh, favorite thing about the saddle system is how compact you are, because honestly, a lot of the places we hunt here in Michigan are very, very, thick nasty you know red brush uh swamp type areas if you want a chance at a a good buck on public and i remember i used to trounce through those areas right and i'd just be clanking all over the place as i'm trying to weave through these little tiny uh you know it's thick stuff you guys are used to you got the same stuff out in wisconsin so um i love how everything's tight to my body that's probably my favorite thing yeah for sure. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I, I would sum it up as just, you know, being stealthy and being fast. I mean, being able to move around quickly in the woods and quietly um, when you're on the ground is a huge, huge advantage. Being able to hunt places where, I mean, candidly, when you're hunting in high pressure areas, um, hiding from the people is just as big of a deal as, you know, hiding from the deer a lot of times, yeah. right? Because you're hunting you're hunting the people and you're just trying to find the places where they're not. You can't let others know that you're going in there. Um, so you're leaving absolutely, you know, no evidence of where you've gone. That's a huge deal. Um, but then the stealth in the tree, I mean, you know, being able to use that tree as cover, 
uh, when the deer are coming in or when you've got deer coming in from multiple angles or, or maybe a group of does are coming by before that that target animal you're waiting for comes by is you know I've, I've seen that just be you know astronomically um, important in in my success rate on pressured um, properties so moving fast moving quietly I yeah mean, that's how I would sum it up yeah that's good that's good I, you know you mentioned there um, that being able to stay, stay concealed, you know, and that, that for me has, has been sort of, has really changed the way that I hunt over the last couple of years. I've noticed that with a saddle, um, I just don't get picked off as often. You know, I just, I just don't get seen. I can let those does pass by and and keep on waiting rather than have to really fret that they're going to pick me off when I'm in a, you know, a lock on or, or a climber or something like that, where I look like a, a very foreign object on a tree. Whereas when you're kind of, you've got the profile of, of the tree saddle, you, you look like just another branch or maybe just another offshoot of the trunk rather than this big blob that doesn't belong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, 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 I had a very short fall this past fall um, because I had, I had my first child, my wife and I, but um, I did have a chance to shoot um, a solid public land buck for Michigan on my last day of the season. And it came from a six inch diameter tree it's probably almost 25 feet off the ground in the middle of a marsh, right? And there was like two branches. And, and um, I shot him right at daybreak. He came in and I had does blown at me behind me. And he never, I don't know, he just never caught on to that. I was right there. He was 20 yards from me. Um, and there was zero cover. It's just wide open. We've got a recovery video actually online of that. But it's all cattails and swamp grass and like one tree sticking out. And the nearest tree from there was probably 40 yards away. So um, that I think is a great example that I feel like it, it helped me just enough to get the arrow off before he picked me. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's probably one of my favorite parts as well about hunting out of a saddle is I can get into almost any tree. Like you're saying a six inch diameter tree. I mean, yep. I found that I can make decisions based off of where I need to be to get the shot rather than where I have to be because of whatever equipment that I'm using. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. not limited. Yeah, I mean, tree selection is a great point. I mean, yeah, you might look a little more natural, you know, sticking out like a branch, but I think the bigger point, at least in my opinion, is tree selection and the flexibility that you get from a saddle because you can get into a wider variety of trees. I mean, honestly, I would say probably 90% of the time that I – hunt i have no idea what tree i'm going to be in i'm going in totally blind and picking that tree that day um and it's just it's actually and that's just something that's how i've adapted over the years is because i'm just more effective on a, on a first sit in an area so yep. it allows me to cover ground and um so being able to get into a variety of trees is very helpful especially in the dark right so oh yeah for sure yeah. for sure um so a lot of what we've talked about so far has really been geared towards uh, the very mobile public land guy who's going in far and uh, maybe like you said, doesn't even know where he's going to set up yet. So he needs that versatility. Um, some guys that I've talked to have kind of said, hey, you know, saddles look cool and everything, but I've got a lease and I can just hang up stands all over the place. I, I don't really need that. Do you, do you think guys that are either hunting private property by permission or have a lease or something like that, do you think they can benefit from a saddle as well? For sure. Absolutely. I, I'd say we're seeing a lot of that recently. We're getting that question a lot. And 
there's there's kind of two scenarios where they they really address some problems for you. One is, you know, more a guy that owns his own piece where he's got those preset tree stands um, based off of historical deer movement patterns, and he he hunts them year over year. But there's you know if he's the type of hunter that's going after a specific target buck, this is the scenario that we get brought up a lot, and oftentimes that buck will not go past those tree stands. Yep. They got that big because they're doing something different. And if they take the time to go in and make a bunch of noise and put up an additional tree stand where that buck is traveling, they blow them out. But if you've got the saddle as a part of your tool bag, you can slip in and make the kill and he'll never know, you know, you're going to be there. So that's one scenario. The other scenario, you mentioned the lease. Um, sometimes leases, you get them on your own, obviously, but if you're sharing a piece of land as part of a lease with a couple other guys, it's a great way to not let those other individuals know where you're hunting, which is, it's just like public land in that scenario. It's just not as much pressure. Um, and then the other things apply as well, right? Um, oftentimes those more mature animals are just doing something different. Um, and it's hard to go in and preset something and expect them to be there. Yeah. So, yeah. I no, mean, that, that's I'll... huge. Sorry, I was just going to say on a lease, right? I mean, I would argue that that flexibility and the ability to adapt is almost more important, right? Because you want to get your return on investment. I mean, look, <laughs> yeah. the, the reality right. is, is if I blow up a public piece, right? I don't really care. I just go to another public piece. But if I spend five grand on a lease, I'm going to have a lot harder time being like, oh, I blew that deer out of there. You know, I might as well just go down the road. You know, so I think that having the ability to have that element of surprise almost is just important. And um, most leases aren't set up perfect, right, for entry and exit. So you got to be able to to move around and surprise these deer. That's right. Yeah, that, that mobility is huge. And I think not only being able to move, but being able to take the deer by surprise is is tremendously valuable. And one of the things that I've liked about hunting out of a saddle is when I, and it's actually not directly related to saddle hunting. When I carry in a tree stand, let's say, and I get to where I'm going, you better believe I'm going to make it work with that tree stand. Like I'm going to, I'm going to climb a tree somewhere, but I find myself with a saddle. I feel less obligated if I get in and it's like, you know what? I got to go set up in the red brush over there. I'm not going to climb into a tree today. And I feel like that's okay when I'm wearing a saddle. For, for some reason, my brain won't let me do it, though, when I've got a stand on my back. But if I've got my saddle, I'm just like, yeah, I'll just crouch down here in the bushes, you know? Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about that all the time, right? Like the whole ground hunting thing, right? That's something we try to incorporate into our products. It goes back to that speed thing. When you're hunting on the ground, you have 100% flexibility 100% of the time. You can move at any point in the hunt, and, and the speed of of moving around and adapting is something we, we try to make happen with our products. Um, but yeah, so I, I totally agree. Yeah. My, my next question is kind of, is kind of geared toward, um, I guess those guys who, who really do love their tree stands. And, and I've heard people say this and I've said it myself, but I've had a hard time finding this situation over the last four years. Are there times or settings where, you're like, you know what? A tree stand might be a better option for this setup. Yeah, I mean, we, first of all, we have nothing against tree stands. We are firm believers in whatever system works best for you is the system you got to go with. If you like tree stands, use tree stands. In fact, even the new sticks, right? When we were designing the new sticks, we designed them for tree stand guys. 
So that's how much, you know, we understand you might like tree stands better. There are certain scenarios, right? I'm thinking uh, a pine tree or a cedar tree, right? If you have a bunch of thick cover, I mean, it's going to be harder to set up in that tree. You're going to end up shaving a bunch of stuff off the side of the tree, right? Um, So there are definitely probably some scenarios um, where a tree stand might be a little better. But I think in the long run, right, over the course of a season, if you are choosing one system over the other, you're going to have more flexibility with a, with a saddle. At least we feel that way. Yeah. So we've talked kind of so far, uh, we've really built a case for why people should give a, give a saddle a shot at least, right? At least try it out, find a buddy that's got one, try it on, hang from it for a bit and see, uh, see if you like it. I, I want you guys to kind of tell me now a little bit about what makes a Latitude Outdoors saddle different than some of the other saddles in the space like what what makes you guys stand out because as a consumer i look and i see wow this space looks kind of crowded you know it went from nothing to now everybody it's kind of like podcasting right everybody's got a podcast today well now it seems like everybody's making a saddle so what makes a latitude saddle stand out Um, or maybe all of your products in general all of your products in general not just uh not just the saddle yeah, I mean, um, so I think that for us, it, it starts with product development. I mean, it takes us, you probably notice it takes us a little bit longer to get a product out, but we never release anything unless we're excited to show it to people. Uh, and that all starts in the woods for us. I mean, we place a huge emphasis on spending time in the woods testing gear before we ever even go down the road of developing that product, right? So if we launch something and we put it up for sale, uh, you can be sure that it's been in the woods a lot, right? And there's a reason behind every aspect of that product. Um, our, our main product saddles, sticks and platforms are all made right here in the US. Um, that's important to us. We do our best to keep manufacturing here. Um, in fact, one of our saddle manufacturers is right here in Michigan, so that's uh, that's cool for us, right? We like to be able to just drive over to the manufacturer. And it is important from a business perspective because, you know, when Jake needs to do his quality control, right, and make sure products are coming off as they should, he, he drives an hour over to the manufacturer and, and, and that's it. So um, so I think that's important. We have a relationship with these people too, so we can call them whenever we need to. Um, yeah. So. Tell me a little bit about that product development piece. Like, what does that look like for you guys sort of from start to finish? Um, I, you know, again, it all starts in the woods. I mean, we emphasize all the time. I mean, we give each other crap during the season. Like, hey, when's the last time you've been out in the woods? Like, you need to go. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, just go. And um, so that's where it starts. And we'll usually have, you know, for example, last year we needed sticks and we needed platforms, right, to round out that core a product line, right? So last year when we were sitting up in the wood, we were sitting up in the tree, all of our thought was going into sticks and platforms. How can we make them better? What do we want to do here? What are we going to be excited to tell people about? Um, so I, Kev, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we do have a very defined, um, Defined yet somewhat unstructured, it's important to have both uh, development process, Josh, and it's rooted in, in really two things. And I think that's defining the problem and then testing and iterating to solve it. Um, 
I think a lot of companies, not not necessarily hunting specific, all industries really struggle with understanding what the problem actually is that you're trying to solve. Mm. Um, and we're all about making, you know, our customers more efficient. So we want all of the pieces and parts of our systems to work together. Yes, you can buy them a la carte and, you know, plug them in with other, you know, products from other brands that's, that they'll work great. Um, but the goal is to be more efficient and faster and lighter at the end of the day. So we try to look at each product and define how it's being used throughout the process as soon as you step out of your vehicle until you step back in. Not just when you're up in the tree or when you're climbing or when you're hiking. We look at the whole thing. How does everything touch all these different parts of the process? And then what is the actual problems um, you know, throughout that process with that specific product category that we might be working on. Um, so that's, that's huge for us is really making sure we define the problem correctly. And we do that by just gaining, seeking a lot of feedback from guys that are also in the field a lot. Um, and I mentioned this on another podcast here recently, you know, we, we test, what we call it is we test the edges when we look at defining what that problem is. And what we mean is, we, t- we do get a lot of feedback from people that are brand new to using saddles or mobile gear in general. We also get a lot of feedback from the guys that have been doing it a long, long time, and we consider experts because the experts know the optimal way to do something. But if you build just for them, it might not be easy to use for the person that's new. Yep. But if you serve both of those edges, you serve everyone. Um, so that's a big part of you know, how we approach it across the board with everything that we make. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into the product piece a little bit then. Uh, tell me what all you guys currently have on the market. And then there are some things maybe coming that we we're not going to share a ton about, but, but what can you tell me? Um, so for the last three years, we've had saddles, right? We have a single panel saddle and a two panel saddle. What does that, uh, what does that mean? So your two panel saddle is uh, it, it's two separate pieces. And we talk a lot about the advantages of that. And that's kind of our, um, our bread and butter, so to speak, is that method to uh, two panel saddle. Uh, the advantages of that are, uh, there's two main advantages. First, it's extremely compact. It wears in almost like a weightlifting belt. So when you're wearing it in, you don't feel like you have anything sagging be- below your butt, hitting your legs or getting caught on stuff. Uh, but then when you're in the tree, those panels actually expand and separate. Uh, and then you can get more support and you can move those panels wherever you want and you can independently adjust top and bottom support. Um, that'll make more sense when you sit in a saddle because you always end up with, you know, some pressure on top and on bottom. So being able to independently adjust top and bottom pressure is very important. Um, the single panel saddle, the advantage of that is it's very simple, right? Everybody, everybody has one of those. We have one too. Uh, the advantages are it's very simple and, and super, super lightweight. Both of our saddles are, are metal free as well. Um, so you can, you know, shake them around and like crazy or clank on brush and, and you won't have any metal noise. Yeah. Is that what um, drove, is that what drove the decision to go with the rope belt as opposed to a belt with a, with a buckle? Cause that's, what's really intrigued me about, about your product is I, I saw the rope belt and I'm like, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we that was real quick, Al. If you don't, if you don't mind me jumping in, the, yeah. uh, that was Alex's idea. He didn't like a lot of things. He didn't know how to execute on it, but he said, "Hey guys, what if we made the belt rope?" And this is like 
we're pretty close to we're within a few months of launch and this is you know kind of tearing back and showing you the inside of the company right kev really um, likes when i throw things out as close and this to happens on every product it feels like it drives me insane but you know like I, like, like he said at the beginning of the show, we're all kind of different, different skill sets. Um, so this is the part that drives me nuts, but ultimately results in a better product. And we just tried it. And it it worked so well, we we had to just offer it. So when we first offered the, the first generation method saddle, we offered it in both a standard, you know, buckle style waist belt system and that rope belt just to kind of see how what the response would be. And, you know, when we initially launched, the, the buckle version did better. But by the end of the year, I mean, it was four or five to one rope belt over, over that. And we said, all right, what we believe, the customer now believes, that's the appropriate direction. Um, we always wanted to get to a metal-free system. And um, now that's all we have. That's all we do. That, that rope belt, it wears in so much better. It does not loosen up because of the friction knot that it uses. But it's a climbing-rated friction knot. So you're never going to have your saddle sliding down because you've got, you know, ropes in your pouches on your waist belt, whatever it is, when you're walking around, it stays in place. Um, and, you know, and it's comfortable uh, and then obviously makes no noise. So, yeah. So your saddles yeah. now are all totally metal free. Yes. The yeah. only metal the, the, on there would be the, um, uh, the leg straps, but they're removable and that's intentional because we don't like to wear them when we're going in and out of the woods. When our feet are on the ground, they're off and they're in a pocket, not making noise and not constricting our legs. Uh, we snap them on at the base of the tree before we climb. Yep. Good stuff. All right, so you've got the you've got the Method 2 saddle. And what's the name of the single panel? Uh, the Classic 2. Classic 2. Um, that's got the rope belt as well. All of our saddles have uh, what we call a vertical support skeleton. So most saddles will just have the top and bottom strap on it. We actually put perpendicular straps uh, that are vertical on our saddles. And uh, we figured out uh, through some testing again, just time in the tree, that as you sit in a saddle, the shape of the saddle actually collapses on itself as you're sitting in it. And when that happens, it causes hip pinch and then your saddle starts to ride up on you. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we integrated those, those vertical supports to help uh, you know counteract that. Um, so that's on the, the method and the, uh, the classic. Okay. Uh, and then, um, we just launched for pre-order our platforms. Um, we've got, uh, two different options on there. We've got, um, one called the X wing, which is kind of a unique shape with some wings. Uh, and then the other one's more of a, a standard shape that was designed to optimize that surface area to weight ratio. Uh, both of them are under three pounds. Um, and so those are cool. Those are available for, for pre-order right now. Uh, and then we got the sticks launching this summer. Yeah, that, that X-Wing um, is really interesting to me because of the one frustration, I guess, that I've had with, with hunting off of a platform is how close together my feet are all the time. And, I'm, you know, I, yeah, I don't have the freedom to kind of get a little bit of a wider stance. Is that, is that X-Wing going to allow some more, uh, some more room there? Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, there were two main uh, points to that shape. First, exactly what you just said, giving you a wider stance. It's a little bit more natural, kind of like an athletic stance, right? So if you got to move, you can move, and it's a little bit more comfortable over long periods of time. Uh, that shape also brings you in closer to the tree, so you're not sticking way out on the end of your platform. Uh, 
The other uh, advantage to that shape is uh, support for pivoting. Uh, so those wings actually, uh, the wing edge, the front edge of the wings, and then the side edge of the center section on the platform are perpendicular. So this is going to be really hard to imagine. But when you pivot on the platform, you actually have support on the side of your foot. Uh, so when you, I'm sure you felt this, Josh, when you're on the side of a platform getting pulled into a tree, that front edge of that wing is support to counteract that. So when you're getting pulled into, into the tree, uh, you know, you don't get picked. And that happened because I was in the tree and got picked by a mature doe because I was on the side of my platform and kind of jerked a little bit because uh, I just lost my footing. So, yeah. How, how does so in the tree stand world, uh, side pressure is a big no, no. Right. You don't want side pressure on your tree stand. And you're saying with a with a platform, I can put some side pressure on it. I can kind of wrap a little bit around. Right. What, what keeps it in place there? I'm going to let the engineers take this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, generally speaking with a saddle platform, it's, it's overall smaller than a tree stand, right? Um, which does help with stability in general for when you, you know, put side pressure. Um, but we spent a lot of time really optimizing the angle of the sort of that wedge on the back of the platform that has the teeth that we, you know, most people refer to them as, and, and that's similar to a tree stand, but really getting that, that angle optimized for our platform sizes and shapes um, was important. And then, you know, we put a bevel on those teeth. Um, so they actually come to a point. So when you cam over that platform and they came over similar to a tree stand, you strap it on, push it down and then cam that platform in, it bites right into that tree with those points and it prevents, you know, the movement in every direction. Because a point is basically a tiny little circle at the end of the day. So when you put a, it's like putting a nail into a tree. It's hard to push a nail in any direction. But if you, you know, if you chop a knife into a tree, you can kind of bend it one way and not the other, right? Um, so that really helps lock it in. Um, and uh, it, our, these platforms are rock solid. And it had to be for that X-Wing design because it's designed to be able to do all those side pressure maneuvers and, and swing around and take what we call a weak side shot. We can cover what that means uh, if we want, but it, it's like it's welded to the tree when you cam it over properly. Yeah, that was my big question when it comes to the X-Wing. Is like, okay, how is this thing going to keep me from just kicking it straight off the front of the tree? You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, our teeth are, are pretty sharp on both the back of the actual platform base as well as up on the post, the standoff on the post, um, sharper than a lot of other other options on the market, and that's intentional for that reason. Okay. And there's a lot of other, you know, Josh, you know, like you got the sharp teeth, right? But then um, there was a lot of testing that went into uh, the actual camming action on that platform. In other words, you know, there's an optimal – height for your versa button on that post there's an optimal spot in in size of the shoulders on the platform that hold the post into place and where that pivot point is on the post the back edges of that platform right a lot of people say well how the heck am i going to get on the back of that platform and not kick it off the tree yep or how am i going to get on the back of that platform and not uncam it on itself yep well the, the way we got around that was the location of that back edge in relationship to the pivot point. A lot of platforms you'll see have that back edge actually behind the pivot point. 
And the problem with that is, is if you apply a load to that back angle, it's actually possible to uncam the platform. The yep. only thing holding you to the tree is the teeth. So if you have hard bark or you don't have a good uh, bite into the tree, your platform will uncam on itself. So we move those forward a little bit to, to avoid that. And, um, you know, this is all this optimization stuff. Kev was kind of uh, kind with his answer. Uh, but uh, so there, there is a lot that goes into that camming action, right, um, to make yeah. it solid. Yeah. And you guys have some sticks that will be rounding out your lineup. Yes. Anything you can say there? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really excited about the sticks. Um, excited slash anxious. This has been a, a two-year project. It's a totally new technology, so it's – I can't even tell you the uh, round and around uh, process this has been to get it right. Um, but we're very excited about them. They're going to be um, – you know, they'll play in that, that premium category uh, of climbing stick. They're going to be um, – just super lightweight. They're they're all one piece, no moving parts, no nuts, bolts, glues, anything like that. Um, flat stacking, uh, and they're 100% metal free too, including the uh, the strap system. So wow, um, they're going to be they're they're really cool. Yeah. We're excited about them. I, th- I think that speaks to the integrity of your company as well. That this has been a round and round process for you guys over over two years, essentially yeah. of trying to develop these things. Yeah, well, yeah, and I mean, since we started to kind of leak out that we've got them coming, we've got a lot of people asking to pre-order them, and we're not pre-ordering these. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make sure they got all the testing pass. Everything yeah. is kosher because, you know, we are that excited about it. But, you know, we're going to dot all our I's and cross all our T's before we make them available, and um, which, you know, shouldn't be too long from now. Yeah, very good. And I don't want you guys to short short sell your uh, your accessories as well. You've got some cool accessories. One of the things that – that I really liked from you guys is the uh, your strap for the tree, your accessory, your gear strap, right? So I was using another gear strap that was similar, but it was two pieces of webbing kind of sewn together. And it's cool and all, but holy smokes, there's a lot of material there. And it just didn't match how compact the rest of my setup was. And then I saw your gear strap and I'm like, oh, okay. Like there is a way to make this pretty compact. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, Kev, do you want to, one day Kev just showed up with that thing. On the <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. He should talk about it. It's awesome. Lots of time with a sewing machine, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was another, yeah, of course. That, that was right on my sewing machine again. Um, I, I mean, one of the things that drives me nuts in anything, it doesn't even have to be hunting stuff, Josh, is just when something is there that isn't actually doing anything for you. It's just, you know, sort of dormant and in place, right? And uh, one of the things I didn't like about some of the existing straps on the market was just, I've got 65 loops strapped around the tree and I only need two of them. Yep. Um, and all these loops are doing is taking up a bunch of space in, in you know, my dump pouch on my hip. Um, so I wanted something that was first and foremost, as compact as it could be. Um, but then I also wanted to kind of give people the options to determine how many loops, so to speak, they have on that tree um, so that they could match that with how many things in their system they want to hang in front of them. For me, I hang my backpack and, I'm, and my bow, and I'm done. Yep. So I need two. Uh, some guys like to hang their calls. They might need three or four. Some guys, you know, might put a GoPro on a little mount on one of them to film their hunt. So 
you can customize that strap by adding and removing these loops, which can also be moved around that tree. So you can put them exactly where you want them so you don't, that you don't need a bunch of them. Um, so you can marry it, you know, efficiently one-to-one to your exact system. So, yeah, that's awesome. And then there's also a backpack hanger. I guess we breeze over that. That's probably the thing that people talk about with that the most. The end of that strap, there's always the tag hanging along the tree, and we wanted to add some more function to that. You could always clip your bag to one of the excessive amount of loops on a, on a tag end of another strap, but we wanted to have a dedicated spot for your backpack that you can, with one hand, move up and down throughout the hunt because oftentimes we want the bag down by our knees when we're actually hunting, but then if we want to access it quickly for a snack or a drink or something, we can just pull it up real quick with one hand. It's single-hand height adjustment with your pack along the tree in front of you. So Yeah, that's huge. I like to, you know, those long hunts in november man i want my backpack up a little closer so i'm digging around grabbing lunch and and whatever's going to keep me in the tree for the next couple of hours until i feel you know you you hit that point where it's like two or three in the afternoon then you're like okay i'm good but but for me maybe maybe the backpack's up you know for for lunch right and you drop it back down for that midday uh you know mature buck cruising time frame or the evening or the daybreak whatever right you put the backpack where it needs to be uh, as appropriate throughout the hunt. So yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, guys, I want to I want to throw you. I want to grill you here for just a second. So I've got some uh, over the years as I have um, been a little bit of a saddle hunting evangelist. I guess you could say. Like I, I try to get people plugged in with saddles. Uh, I, I've heard um, several common objections, and I want to run those by you. And uh, the first objection is this: There's no way that thing is safe. Like people just feel like, okay, I need a, I need something metal holding me to the tree and it needs to be bulky and it needs to be heavy because bulky and heavy is safe. So can you answer that question for me? Are, are these safe? Like what, what does that look like? Arguably a saddle system is going to be much safer than a tree stand. When you really look at everything, like, first of all, to use a saddle system properly, you almost you have to be tethered to the tree either by your lineman belt or your tether once you're at hunting height at all times. So you're always should always be statically suspended at all times. When you're statically suspended, that essentially prevents any possibility of a fall. Like if if you're say you fall asleep while you're hanging up in your saddle. I mean, and lose your footing, you're not falling anywhere. You'll, you'll just kind of swing around a little bit. Like if you're in a tree stand, you know, you might have your safety harness on, but you still have the risk if you're not setting your tether height properly, what have you, you know, you're going to fall off of that seat and potentially shock load your equipment. You can hurt yourself doing that. That's always a possibility. And you can also damage your equipment. Now, with a saddle, also you're wearing that in and out of the woods with you every time you hunt. You're not leaving it hanging in the tree to get damaged by the sun, elements, animals, you know, whatever. <clears throat> so you really have a much better understanding of any use and abuse, wear and tear that has happened to that equipment. You should always, any equipment you're using, tree stands included, you should always be checking that before every hunt. And that's really not possible um, with a tree stand that you leave in a tree. A lot of people leave them in all year round, multiple years, you know, that, that is actually, that's really not the safest 
thing to go about doing. And I would say most people, when they're using a tree stand, they aren't using it properly. Like I, I, from personal experience, we used, to, <laughs> we used to run out there in the woods and just run up that ladder, get in the tree stand, be real careful, and then clip your safety harness in to a strap that's already up there. You know, using a lineman belt all the way up the tree to make sure you don't fall off that ladder is was usually a step that we skipped that you really can't skip it with a saddle because you're using generally ultralight sticks that, you know, require two hands to set as you climb the tree. And then with a tree stand, when you are using a lineman belt when proper, like you're supposed to do, it's really difficult to get that lineman belt once you're at the top of the ladder around that tree stand. Yep. So unless you've got a secondary lineman belt or a tether you're climbing with in your pouch, like you would have with a saddle to safely attach above that tree stand to then detach your primary lineman's belt, likely what you're going to do is you're just going to unclip it and now you're you have nothing tying you to the tree to go around that tree stand you know with saddle equipment everything's very compact tight to the tree and it's actually pretty efficient to use a lineman belt to climb up past all your climbing aids and platform whatever you're putting your feet on and since you have your tether with you as well if you have to pass a limb or something like that you can easily get that out of your pouch attach it on the tree above that obstacle and then remove your lineman belt to uh to keep on climbing up that tree so really if you're doing things properly you're you're always connected to the tree and there really should be no possibility of a fall and you will have a much better ability to monitor that equipment for any damage wear and tear that might affect uh your safety yeah that's good that that transition point with a tree stand where you go from your climbing system whatever that is and onto the platform if i'm not mistaken that's when most accidents happen like that's when most guys are going to slip and fall and and for for those I've, I've seen a lot of questions about uh you know lineman's belts and whether or not they're really effective uh i found out two not this past fall but the one before just how effective a lineman's belt could be when I hit a slick stick on the way down and slipped right off of that thing. And it would have been a, you know, a 16 foot fall, uh, had I not had that belt. Now it didn't feel good. Uh, when, you know, when I, when I came back down and sort of hit the, hit the side of my stick and hit the tree. Um, but I came home to my family, you know, exactly. I, I didn't Absolutely. have to make an emergency call from the base of a tree yeah. uh, or a worse, one. have them come looking for me. Yeah, your, your lineman belt's kind of like an airbag in the front of your car. It's, you know, <laughs> you don't want to get hit by it. You don't want to have to, you know, use it to catch you, but it will potentially save your life. Yeah. Well, a saddle makes it easier to use that belt, right? You should always stay as oh, tight yeah. as you can to the tree with that belt. That's what's going to grab you when if you did slip and fall. Um, you know, safety harnesses, and some do a good job, but they don't all do a great job of making it easy to use that lineman belt. I can tell you my dad... He still brags about how I just wear my safety harness underneath everything. It's out of the way. Well, how do you clip in on the way up and down the tree, Dad? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there, there's there's a cultural shift, I think, as people are, you know, kind of looking at saddles instead of tree stands for their mobile 
uh, tool, um, you know, to be kind of more safety conscious, safety first, because it's just better integrated. Yeah. Absolutely. How about uh, strength of those materials, guys? Do you want to just share that really quick? Because I know it's probably this is probably going to be surprising. I, it's that's a great point, Al. We we tend to breeze over that. I mean, all tree stands are you know tested to what they call a two x safety factor. So they basically will put a six hundred pound load on a stand, and if it passes, um, they'll rate it for three hundred pounds. Um, our saddles and ropes have a ten x or more safety factor for a three hundred pound rating. So the weakest material in the construction of our saddle is like 4,500 pound breaking strength. Wow. Um, you know, our ropes are all at least 5,500 pounds. Um, you know, so the, the, the raw strength of the system, you know, you could lift a small car with it. Right. So, um, it's, it's much stronger overall. Yeah. I think that's huge. Like this is, you guys aren't using like webbing and rope from the hardware store. To, no. get yourself, to, to get yourself in a tree, right? No, we make all of our materials in ISO certified manufacturing facilities, and then we third-party test um, all of our safety products. So anything that holds your butt up in the air off the ground, um, you know, is thoroughly safety tested and vetted. Uh, we we off, you know, oftentimes do a lot of different tests ourselves um, outside of just kind of the more standardized third-party tests. So, Okay. Well, and it's not just... Sorry, oh, and then, uh, you know, those materials, right, you know, you see webbing and you're like, oh, well, there's a seatbelt strap, right? But what you don't see is the actual weave in that seatbelt strap. So, you know, we went through a process of actually testing different weaves, right, to optimize the strength of those straps. So, I mean, wow. it's it's pretty involved, and all that stuff is custom built um, to, to meet the safety factors that we're trying to achieve so that we can – have this conversation and, and that's important josh because you mentioned early on in the show here there's there's a lot of saddles out there now it's it's not difficult to just sew together a saddle right especially if there's something that's already been kind of designed and built it's not very difficult to replicate that but you know are they doing their due diligence on the safety side are they doing all the testing are they doing all the quality control from the material side all the way through the manufacturing process so um, we, you know, we're on top of all that all the time. It's very important for us. So recycled materials, right? You, you got a lot of recycled There's, materials a lot of that and other stuff. Yeah. So um, it's just, you got to come yeah. home at the end of the trip, right? That's I mean, right. Alex and I both have, have new babies at home. He's got a one month old right now. I've got a six month there. So, you know, that's right in front of our faces all the time. Yeah. Man, you guys are living it with a one month old and a six month old. My goodness. <laughs> Yeah, that's one way. A little rough right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> y'all are in it. Holy cow! All right, yeah. so you've convinced me on the safety front. My next objection to you is this: that seems like a really steep learning curve. Like it just seems like a lot to figure out. I, I, I don't want to devote my entire summer just trying to figure out how to hang this thing. So I'm going to say one thing, and then Kev, I want you. To, you want to give your. Kev has a very good brief sure. overview that you could even take notes to, to make it very simple. The one thing that I want to say, and I tell this to, to new people all the time is don't let all the information confuse you. Mm. Pick a reputable source for information and stick with that source and, and, and trust them. Pick a source you can trust. A lot of us saddle companies, right? We spend a lot of time educating customers and coming up with, with content to help with that. Right. Um, so just pick one that you connect with, right? And stick with that source because there's just a lot of 
different stuff out there and that tends to uh it's easy to get confused yeah that's good yeah i mean it it's it's a five tool system uh to get started uh, if you really break it down. So you need the saddle, obviously. You need your two ropes, a lineman belt, which you should already be using if you're hunting out of a tree stand. So that's really not different. And your tether, which is the rope you hang from, that is different. You wear your saddle in just like a safety harness. So that's very similar. Uh, you need a way to get up and down the tree. That's tool number four. Typically, we recommend starting with climbing sticks. Uh, they're the most common, easiest to transition to if you've not mobile hunted before. If you're already mobile hunting with a tree stand, you probably already have those. And then you need something small for your feet. Uh, typically, we te- we recommend to start with a small platform, like the platforms we've been talking about. Uh, it's easier transition from a tree stand because that's basically all it is, is a miniaturized version. Um, and then just put everything together. Go up and down a tree a few times in the backyard. Practice your shooting a little bit. Um, I think, you know, we get the question about, how hard is it to shoot out of one? That's the part that looks the most difficult. Um, and we actually find it's easier to be accurate out of a saddle than a tree stand because you've got more points of contact uh, with the tree, you're under tension, so you're more stable. Um, and it's just flat fun to shoot out of one. So practicing, it's, it's not hard to kind of make an excuse to go practice a little in the summer, um, but it also doesn't take a lot of practice to pick it up. We find most guys pick it up real quick, so. Yeah, yeah. and. I would not advise this, but I got my first saddle completed. I hung about six (laughs) inches off the ground for about 30 minutes, and I proceeded to go out the next morning in the dark and set up. And (laughs) I wouldn't recommend guys do that, but the the learning curve isn't as steep as as all the information, kind of like Alex was saying, uh, as all the information out there would kind of make it it seem. Okay, so – it's safe. It's easy to pick up. Uh, boy, it sure seems like it's going to be uncomfortable, though. Like, I don't have a nice, comfy seat underneath me while I'm up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's obviously a first reaction to a lot of people. And um, the initial response we get, you know, we do all these shows, right? And people can come and try them. And uh, people are generally surprised at the comfort. There's a couple different things that affect comfort. And compared to a tree stand, uh, you have a lot more adjustability that allows you to get comfortable, right? With a tree stand, you've got your flat seat. It's set there at a certain angle, and, and, and that's your, your spot. With a saddle, you have a bunch of different adjustment options. So you've got your tether height, which is going to affect the direction of your pull. You've got uh, bridge loop adjustments, which affects location of pull. So you can move pull either more below you or, or more up in your back. Uh, you know, you've got good back support with the two panel saddles. Uh, and then you can move that saddle all along your body, right? So you can always find a, a comfortable spot versus a tree stand. You've got your, your one seat in one location. Um, so we understand that that's a initial reaction for most people. The advice would be to try it. Saddles are a lot like a pair of jeans, right? They fit everybody a little bit different. Um, you know, we have a number of retailers and part of the reason for that is so that people can go and actually try the saddles. Um, so that helps too. My recommendation would be just, just go try one and and you'll be surprised. Yeah. Spend a little time getting that dialed in. Yeah. Lower lower backs and knees. We see a lot of people switch to saddles because they're worn out from an athletic background or whatever it is. But, um, you know, a lot of people like our two panel saddle because it really has that 
built-in lower back support. You can put that top panel right there and it kind of, uh, you know, holds everything tight like a weightlifting belt, gives you good posture, um, you know, and you're not sitting with your knees bent in the same position all day either or depending on the shape of the tree behind your tree stand for, for back support. So um, it's just different, but a lot of people are very surprised. Yeah. All right. So maybe it is a little bit comfortable. Uh, maybe I can find a good comfortable position. What if I fall asleep or something happens and I fall out? Like, can I fall out of this thing? I, I don't have shoulder straps. I, I wish this isn't a video podcast, is it? Because I have a, I could show you one of the infamous pictures of being flipped upside down in the thing. But, oh, it's um, not. I wish it was. Uh, yeah. We yeah. have figured out a way to fall out of the saddle. We've tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, so yeah. folks should go check that out. I, I actually uh, posted back. Gosh, I guess it was this winter. Uh, I was trying out a new saddle, and I, I was hanging upside down in it, like wiggling, trying my best to to wiggle my way out of this thing, and I just I couldn't do it. Yeah, you you won't you won't fall out. I you know, you send me a message, and I'll send you the picture back to show you. So, <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. All right. Well, last thing that I can think of is is man, I'm a righty. Okay, so just like with a tree stand, I'm going to set up for a right hand shot. Uh, for where I think the deer are going to be, what that means is that almost 100% of the time, the deer are going to come from the other direction where I wasn't expecting them to come from. So what do I do when I've got the tree in my face and I need to make that shot? Like I, I can't get over there, right? That's why we made the X-Wing platform. Not to push a product, but... Sure, no, that's good. The weak, the weak side shot is definitely something that you want to practice a little bit when you try a saddle. It's it's not as difficult as it might look. Um, there's several ways to go about making that shot. Um, you know, if you have more a more traditionally shaped platform, a lot of guys will like to just kind of stand and turn and put their back to the tree, and it's just like shooting out of a tree stand then in that direction. Um, that's pretty easy to do. The rope will wrap up over your top of your shoulder and kind of lock you into that tree. So you're still very stable. Um, another thing that you can do, and this is what the X-Wing really helps you do very well, is you can lean out what we call a topside shot. So you can lean back behind the tree and shoot around the tree to that weak side. The advantage of that one is all that movement occurs behind the tree. So the tree is between you and the deer and you're more concealed as opposed to the you know, the previous, um, you know, option that I mentioned. So, and so you're basically going around the tree to your strong side and making that weak side, your strong. Yeah. Side. So I'd be swinging. If I was right-handed trying to shoot to my right, I'd actually swing around to my left and shoot around the left side of the tree. Um, just kind of, it'd be like leaning back against the countertop to my left. Um, and that's what those wings really help you do with the X-Wing platform. Um, but really both platforms have an edge that allow you to kind of do that. So the X-Wing just does it the best. But um, that's if you're shooting off of a platform. Some guys do like to run what's called a ring of steps. It's actually something I do a lot, or I, I'll use them in conjunction with the platform. And that's just a strap with basically some L-shaped steps on it. And you can run as many as you want. I'll typically run like three with a platform. And that just gives me spots to step around the tree and walk 360. So um, the thing that I like about that is that you can always turn your weak side shot into a strong side shot just by taking a step. Um, yeah. So there's different ways to go about solving that problem. Yeah. And I would say too, for, for the guy that may be concerned about that kind of a shot, um, the buck I shot this past November uh, was a weak side shot. I mean, he was at my one o'clock when I shot him and I'm a right-handed shooter. So, I mean, it was, 
he's in like the worst position almost. But after just practicing a little bit in the backyard, I didn't even think about it being a weak side shot. Like I just up and over the bridge, get turned, shoot, and yeah. and it's done. And then only afterwards did I realize, oh my goodness, that's a weak that was a weak side shot. You know, it's I, I think people um, don't realize how much of if you just put a little bit of practice, you know, you just get into the zone and you do what you got to do to make the shot happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't even mention that one, Josh, you can go up over your bridge. I know Alex likes to do that one a lot. It's just preference, but that's very sure. doable in a lot of situations as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I really agree with what you just said, Josh. It's like, we get asked this all the time, right? Like, how do I take my backside shot? And the answer to that question is, well, it kind of depends on the direction the deer's coming in. Right. And so, the short answer is, is there's multiple ways to do it. You can, you can make that back, that backside shot, uh, no matter where the deer is coming from and you can keep that tree in between you and the deer. And that's one of the main advantages of a saddle. Now you made the key point, right? In order to do that, you do have to spend some time practicing that backside shot. And then when it happens, you're just going to do it naturally, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people too, um, don't really realize the limitations with a tree stand because they're, they're typically thinking about this shot in comparison to a shot out of a tree stand. And, man, when you're in a tree stand, you've got 180 degrees behind you that's really difficult to shoot, no matter what hand you are. I mean, it's just really hard to get there. But with a saddle, it really does open up a 360-degree option. It doesn't mean that every shot's going to be your preferred shot, but it does mean that you've got a lot more versatility when it comes to, to getting that shot off. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the bigger the, the bigger the tree is with a tree stand, the bigger that blind spot. So as your cover improves, your shot opportunities get worse. It's the exact opposite with a saddle. As you hunt a bigger tree, you've got better cover, but you can still make all the same shots. Yep. So that's good. That's good. Well, guys, I've taken enough of your time today. Where can folks go if they want to learn a little bit more about Latitude Outdoors and see kind of uh, what you guys have coming down the road? Yeah, I mean, we do a lot of our communication is done on, uh, you know, traditional social media, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we also just kind of started this. We have an email list now. Um, so a lot of our new stuff is actually launched to that email list first. And we do that for a couple different reasons. We really appreciate our customers and all the new stuff wouldn't be possible without them right uh all that money that they're spending with us is getting reinvested so we want to give them the opportunity to purchase first to make sure that they have it before the season um and it allows us to control supply chain a little bit better so we do launch that to the email list first um and of course we have a website there's a chat box on there um if you need a quick answer use that chat box we monitor it's on all of our phones we uh and we got some other people monitoring it too um so that's a, a good way to get a quick answer very good very good well guys thanks for your time today i appreciate you coming on uh, yeah looking forward to seeing some more exciting things from you including those sticks <laughs> thanks, thanks for having us anytime guys anytime have a good one thanks for listening to today's episode also big thanks to the guys from latitude outdoors Really appreciate them coming on, and uh, hey, I hope you learned a lot about the topic of saddle hunting. Also, big thanks to our partners over at Tacticam. Go check them out if you haven't already. And last but not least, you can find more outdoor-themed content on the sportsmansempire.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, go check out the other show that I host, the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. It's based in Wisconsin, but the content is relevant no matter where you call home.